Welcome to the JLA Cast, a podcast in which we revisit Grant Morrison's legendary run on JLA, arguably the greatest superhero comic ever written, one issue at a time. My name's John, and I'm the writer and creator of Afterlife Inc. And I'm PJ, and I'm the writer of the graphic novel adaptation of Steve Jackson's The Trolltooth Wars. You know, it's weird, PJ. I feel like, for whatever reason, I feel like events beyond my control. The last couple of times we did an intro... I f- there was like a certain deadness in my voice. Like I felt a little like, well, here we are, you know, the spirit is willing, but the body, the body is, you know, kind of doughy and easy, easily bruised. And um, it just felt like moving my body, um, even just to speak felt like an effort. And for some reason I feel, I feel more chipper today. I don't know why that is. Coffee? No, I've actually had less coffee. Wait, who are you and what have you done with John? I know, no, it's radical, yeah. I, Pod I, person. I've only had my two cups in the morning and I, I, I was I was practically ready to pour myself an espresso and I thought to myself, you know what, no, I'm just going to have a refreshing glass of water or going to cleanse, cleanse the pipes. Well, I am drinking a coffee. Uh, uh, a kind of, um, what are we talking here? Um uh, you know, just a black, uh, a kind of um, a pour over, uh, a cafetiere. No, uh, I, a I got lazy today. It's, it's literally just Morrison's own brand instant coffee in my Marmite mug. By, by which I mean, like, it's a mug branded with Marmite. You're not using, like, the residue of a Marmite jar. <laughs> no, it, it is a mug that is shaped like a Marmite jar with a handle on the side. So. Right. Are you, uh, do, do you do the Marmite? Is that, does that work for you? John. I bloody love the Marmite. I will Do put it in anything really? and everything. The only problem is my wife hates it, so I can't use it as an ingredient as often as I would like. Well, we had a good run, PJ. I mean, 33 <laughs> episodes. I mean, to end it here makes makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, I, 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 Marmite is like, for me at least, I'm not saying that Marmite is a hipster thing, but I, but I, I consider it, I personally view it like a hipster thing because I want to like it. Oh. I want to be a hipster about it. I want to be able to go like, oh yes, I I enjoy Marmite. Uh, and every time I try it, it just makes me gag. Like, <laughs> I so, really feel like Marmite is something I should like, and I can't I do it. I have had Marmite on pizza, yeah, mixed in with the tomato sauce. I've Ooh. I've mixed it in with minced beef when I've been making burgers. I have had Marmite in chocolate, and that is bloody delicious. I had a Marmite birthday cake one year where my friend Nikki, who made me the cake, put double the amount in to the recipe suggested because it was me. <laughs> uh, and and what was the end result? Was it delicious? It was delicious, right? Okay. Wow. I'll have it in anything. Yeah. So you're quite a fan, we should yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. 
Wow. I I feel like it's it's like I like a lot of the things I a lot of the things I enjoy are like simple, pure, strong flavors. So I like my coffee black. I like my whiskey neat. You know that sort of thing. So I kind of feel that like Marmite quintessentially should be right up my alley, <laughs> and I just I just can't. <laughs> it just hasn't it just hasn't worked for me. Oh, that's a shame. You are missing out, John. You really are. Well, I, 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 I mean, I should say PJ. I know um, talking about Marmite is a massive diversion, um, but it, this is just a, a sign of how utterly, utterly uh, kind of scatterbrained I've been this past week. Um, we've actually had we've actually had another letter. We've had a, another piece of fan mail. Uh, which I haven't forwarded to you, PJ. I'm so sorry. It was no, from a couple of days ago. This is, no, that's fine. This is a lovely surprise. I like finding out as we're doing the recording. Uh, I will. I will forward it to you when we're not recording to to minimise the amount of clicks because there are visual aches as well. <laughs> uh, but this comes from the the JLA wizard himself, uh, Chris Murphy. Ah, hi, Chris. Who has already uh, uh, amazed and astonished us with um, his, frankly, um, uh, encyclopedic knowledge of the DC Universe. Uh, but this is in regard to the Crime Syndicate of America. Ah, right. Mm. Now, in our Earth 2 story, uh, do you remember what Power Ring had to say? the antimatter version of Green Lantern, uh, when he was talking about the origins of his ring. Oh, um, that it's like a... What's it called? Is it called Volthoom? And it's like an extra-dimensional, almost Johnny Thunder-type uh, imp thing, creature, yes. genie. Some Tibetan... Yeah. Well, he, he says that he, either he got the ring from someone in Tibet or... Volt, Volt, Volthum or Volthum is a Tibetan deity or something like that. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. Um, well, apparently, this is kind of cool. Uh, this is, again, a reference to uh, the CSA's first appearance, which was in Justice League of America 29 in August 1964. And Chris... I don't know how you do this. Chris has provided uh, screenshots, which are or, or scans, which are incredible. Um, but in this story, the CSA are battling the JLA, and three of our favourite heroes vanish after members of the CSA utter the word Volthum. Oh. Hmm. And apparently... Uh, once the CSA has uh, the heroes, our heroes, kind of captured and imprisoned on Earth 3, <laughs> Powering tells us that Volthum was the name of the... Oh, God, I, I can't even pronounce this word. I'm sorry. Uh, it could, it, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume it's a, it's a word for like a, a mystic or something. But um, Volthum was the name of the Pungi who gave me this mystic power ring. So there you go. Okay, no, I, I I was aware that the crime syndicate turned up fairly early on in the original run of Justice League of America, but uh, no, I hadn't actually read the issues, so that is a lovely reference. Chris, keep them coming. You're an absolute Please. hero. 
uh, yeah, and it, it just kind of blow. It's absolutely mind-boggling that you can you can bring this stuff to mind. It's fantastic. Is Chris actually Grant Morrison? Is that how Chris knows about all these references that Morrison is sticking into the book? Is Chris Murphy uh, a tulpa created by Grant Morrison, <laughs> a sentient thought form? Uh, sent out to roam the world and kind of just like evangelize the good word of Morrison. I would not be surprised. Did you did you read when the new fifty two came around? Did you read any of um, Morrison's run on? Oh, I can't remember if it was called uh, Superman or Superboy, but where it was like kind of when he was young and like. Learning the ropes in Metropolis. Oh, with the jeans, t-shirt, and cape costume. Yeah, did 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 you check any of that out? Only the first issue, I think. It was um, it didn't it didn't like, it didn't necessarily transform my worldview in in the way that say like All Star Superman did. Mm. Um, it was okay. Uh, but I do remember there was some fun stuff with one storyline where. A Superman from another universe came across, and it was called like, you know what? I cannot. I was going to say Overman, but that's not true. That's the Nazi <laughs> Superman, isn't it? Um, yeah. No, I don't know if you've seen it. It's um, it's it looks like Superman crossed with the Anti Monitor. Oh, if that Wait. sounds, it's like a big white hulking creature with like a weird jaw kind of like somewhere between apocalypse and the anti-monitor does that ring a bell vaguely vaguely the idea was that in that universe there were no superheroes and clark kent lois lane and jimmy osborne wait osborne am i going olsen god what's wrong with me I think I'm having an emotional breakdown, PJ. Uh, Jimmy Olsen. It's all right. I'm here for you, John. Thank you, PJ. You're my rock. Uh, they of ages. Indeed, it, it, they um, <laughs> they generated a thought form, a tulpa, something that Morrison is very much in love with, uh, of like a perfect being, which would like save humanity, only for that thought form to be taken over by a reality spanning corporation which may or may not have been run by the new 52 version of mr Ms. Mr. Mr. Pitaluk. thank you pj yeah that's what i said uh and they turned it into this corporate superman which was this weird white hulking creature and i think gene ha did the artwork for those stories. Oh, okay. And, and, and like I said, in a, in a run that didn't really light me on fire, th- those kind of stood out as just being, like, really bizarre. Because just the design of this thing is really weird. Really weird to look at. It's another one I'm going to have to look up, I think. So I only read the first issue of that run, and I'm not overly familiar of, of anything that really happened in it as it went on. How do you... Uh, how do you feel about like um, Morrison's kind of micro continuity that they are able to weave apparently with complete editorial freedom 
across the DC universe, surviving retcons, revisions, reboots? I... <laughs> it's it's an odd one because I feel like when Morrison leaves a book, their continuity leaves with them. Mm. <laughs> and and those those micro continuity things are just then ignored or overwritten. But then Morrison will take them to whatever book they're moving on to next. And and I quite like that. I do. But I also do feel like not everything Morrison writes is gold. So there are some things involved in the microcontinuity that I may be a bit mm, less keen on, let's say. Well, let's see, because a classic example, linking it to JLA, uh, in Earth 2, which comes out in 2000, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got my spreadsheet here, I should know that. Uh, Earth 2, yeah, comes out in January 2000. We're introduced to Ultraman. Yeah. The, you know, antimatter version of Superman. Ultraman... Then, as far as I'm aware, aside from like maybe a couple of appearances in Superman's solo book, doesn't make a Morrison appearance until the pages of Superman Beyond, which was the miniseries, the two-part Superman story in the middle of Final Crisis. Yeah. Which I think is actually the best part of Final Crisis. And at the end of that, Ultraman becomes a vampire. Of course he does. Of course he does. (laughs) And then, oh god, I want to say that that tie, there's elements there that carry over to multiversity, and even I feel in the pages of Green Lantern, which is the current series that Morrison is doing, mm. they're picking up threads from that there, where these cosmic vampires are back. And I think there's something to do with Ultraman in there. I might be dreaming. I have to say, I stopped, I stopped following that one. It wasn't quite working for me. Yeah, but when you say Cosmic Vampires and Ultraman, it makes me interested. Ah, But, his, but this is a really weird thing. I mean, like, you know, DC editorial. I mean, a, 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 univer- uh, a, a publishing house in a universe which is more willing than most to press the hard reset button. And yet Morrison, I think like no other creator can weave these kind of, well, frankly, decades-spanning storylines, which you would only be aware of if you pick up, say, of a JLA run, and then Seven Soldiers of Victory, and then Final Crisis, and even though the world is changing around them. I mean, uh, the DC Universe rebooted into the New 52 partway through Batman Incorporated, yeah, and Morrison was somehow able to still kind of keep the story going, even though I think the ending got suffered because of it. Yeah, and actually, I think uh, Jeff Johns and Green Lantern was the other one that just carried on the same after New Fifty Two. But yeah, that is because the DCU has been hard or soft rebooted three or four times, I think, in the last fifteen years or so. And but it's weird what stays. Isn't Superman now pre New Fifty Two Superman again pre Flashpoint Superman like he survived somehow and is back and yes. New Fifty Two Superman died and it's now pre Flashpoint Superman again or something? Yes, and I, I'm sure there's people listening who are screaming into their podcast provider, but yes, that's my understanding. Is that they're to be honest? I think editorials kind of get out of jail free card because the new Superman 
wasn't as popular was to say that, yes, the original Superman survived on the moon, I believe. <laughs> he, he had like a like a little little house there and him and Lois Lane was there a pre-52 uh pre pre new 52 Lois Lane was there and they have a son now yeah yes although you say it's a original superman it's post crisis pre flashpoint superman and Lois Lane <laughs> yeah because hang on let's break it down pj we've got uh DC universe and then 1986, we have Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yep. At the end, because there's many Supermans, there's many parallel universes, at the end of which, uh, there are only like three, like a handful of survivors of the pre-crisis world. And isn't it like one of them is a slightly more elderly Superman? Golden Age Superman, who was in the, the JSA and everything, and has a shorter cape, grey hair, and a, a different style of S on his chest. Yeah, and they go into like a bottle universe. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and then nothing is seen or heard of them until Infinite Crisis. Yeah. Which is a soft reboot. It's not yeah. quite a reboot. But then the parallel universes come back. Yeah. And I don't know what happens to that version of Superman. No, I can't remember either, because he was lo- He was in that bottle universe with his Lois and then Superboy Prime from Earth Prime. Who came and, from... And Earth Prime was meant to be our world, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and he was the only superhero. And then during Final Crisis, when Golden Age Superman punches through reality, or it might have been Superboy Prime, infinite, I forget infinite, which. Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis, sorry. There's too many crises. Too many crises, people. You've <laughs> got to watch this, or we're going to have a crisis. Yeah, I think, I think Golden Age Superman may have died, actually, during Infinite Crisis at the end of it, but Superboy Prime goes bad and joins the Sinestro Corps. Yes, because everybody joined the Sinestro Corps, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, and then... That's about when DC started losing me, if I'm honest. <laughs> Um, it's going to sound weird, but I, I think around around like the expansion of the Green Lantern universe with the the different cores and the different colors. That's I, I wasn't collecting it at the time, but I remember like checking in and seeing what was going on, and that's when I was like, "Wow, these are like these are really comics." <laughs> you know, you know, like this is about as comics as you yeah. can get, like both good and bad you know it's like this is almost inscrutable to a member of the public yeah. trying to pick it up but then it's like uh nothing then you get final crisis which doesn't really change the status quo too much is that right yeah i think the biggest thing it doesn't do any sort of reboot but the biggest thing that does is take batman off the board which he'd already been a done a couple bit. of months earlier in Batman R.I.P., but, you know, never mind. And then he limps, he limps along for a little bit, but then Flashpoint comes along. Yeah, because is it Final Crisis actually does trigger the return of Barry Allen? Yes. I think. And then yes, Barry Allen triggers Flashpoint, which gives you the new 52. Yes. <laughs> which, in, in, in the universe logic, is not as I understand it correctly, not a complete reboot of the entire multiverse. 
it's just that Flash meddled with the timeline of like Earth Zero or Earth One, like the universe where you know the main continuity, thus changing the present day, so that yeah everything is is it's basically like a reboot. You know, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it is, but it was one that didn't make sense because it was supposed to be... They wanted to keep certain things and change other things. So suddenly, instead of the heroes having been around for 12 years, like Batman and Superman for around 12 years, they'd only been around for five years. But in that time, Batman had still gone through like four or five Robins. (laughs) Yeah, which is like, you think about it, it's like, that's like one every three months or so. I mean, (laughs) which is wild. Um, And and it's weird because didn't they... They'd already... And then they do this weird, and I, I don't want to be like too harsh on them because I I know they're trying things that no other company is doing. But they did weird things where, like, do you remember they they wrote in a bigger? Wait, no, am I thinking of the new Fifty Two? Yeah, no, the new Fifty Two, which came out of Flashpoint. Uh, they had um, like the these three mysterious figures who were like crucial to the restructuring of the universe, sort of thing. Does that ring yeah. a bell? It does, yeah. And, and it's like Phantom Stranger. Uh, another character? I can't remember. And then a, a new character. She was like a lady in purple. Yes, and everyone thought, or not everyone, but there were a lot of theories out there that it was the Crimson Cowl, Justine Hammer from Marvel Comics, and people thought it was them seeding another JLA Avengers crossover, and then it wasn't, and everyone was very disappointed. God, that would have been weird. Mm. Um but yeah, but then it was wild because like I remember looking at one of those and it was like the Phantom Stranger. Yeah, like they completely changed. It was completely, completely changed. Oh, the question wasn't one of them. The question. Uh, it might have been no, because wasn't that when Rennie Montoya became the question? I can't remember. But wasn't it? I, I just seem to remember there was this bit where it's like ancient forces were punishing these three beings because they'd transgressed or done something wrong. And one guy was like, he was cursed to be forever a stranger or something like that. So he becomes a phantom stranger. And then, oh, maybe I'm dreaming. Maybe it wasn't meant to be the question. But then the other one was like, they took away his face. So if he wasn't the question, he looked a hell of a lot like the question. And then there was the lady in purple, who I think was like Pandora or something like that. And it was meant to be like, if you were collecting the new 52, you would frequently just see the purple woman in the background. Do you know what it puts me in mind of now we're talking about it? It feels like what they did was a much bigger version that didn't learn the lessons of Marvel's Heroes Reborn, period. That's what it feels like. PJ, I mean, can you learn from a masterpiece? I mean, Heroes Reborn, flawless, perfect in every way. (laughs) (laughs) Unrepeatable, despite the fact they are now doing another event called Heroes (sighs) Reborn. I'm tired. I'm tired of <laughs> comics in the modern era, John. <laughs> no, I mean, yes, so am I. But also, <laughs> we can never publicly say that, PJ. <laughs> We're not grumpy old men, remember. But, hey, do you know what we should do? We should go back to a time when comics were cool. <laughs> I think there's something to be said for an era where comics were just weird floppy books and weren't... 
trying to find a nicer way of saying up themselves because like you can have deep and meaningful content that's not what i'm saying i just feel like we've gotten a slightly inflated sense of our own importance i feel yeah and i i do worry that like that's contributing to comics being alienating because yeah, we I can't agree. just do a reboot you can't just tell a superman story without the baggage we've got they- to find some big orchestral way of explaining why the universe has been rewritten and they feel so impenetrable as well you have to know so much about who these characters are and you know it's that thing where i think it was stan lee used to say every comic is someone's first Mm. and it just feels like these days if you pick up certain comics you're gonna go well i'm not touching another one of those because i have no idea what's happening and then you get these really i mean because again it's funny you mentioned heroes reborn and it's actually that's pretty pretty spot on, PJ, because it does feel something like um, the New Fifty Two is very thematically similar to Heroes Reborn. Now that I think about it, because Heroes Reborn, all the beloved characters get these really nineties um, redesigns. Oh God, um, the Hawkeye costume was awful. Oh, God knows what was going on with Hawkeye. That wasn't even meant to be Clint Barton originally, wasn't no. it? Meant to be, it was meant to be like, oh, he's actually Simon Williams Wonder Man. Is that his name? I can't oh, remember. Yeah, Simon Williams Wonder yeah. Man. It's so weird. And and then, of course, you look at the New 52, and the New 52 in many ways is kind of like, let's give all the characters an edgy redesign, but with the mid-2000s sensibilities, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, everyone. My cat is attacking the door. I just need to go deal with him. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's all right. No worries. <laughs> sorry, PJ. Let's leave that in. It's a it's a degree of um, realism. Uh, realism. A glimpse into our lives. Yeah. Because it was around that time that you got like um, all these weird additional like panels and patches added to like the Flash's costume, or um... yeah, and Superman's costume suddenly looked armored, and I don't like any of it. No, no, and I I, th- I feel there's a direct line from that to the Flash wearing armor in the movies. Yeah, basically, which I can I can never get behind. I, not to be this is. <laughs> I, I sound like the most entitled fan in the world here, but I'm just like it. Just seems so needlessly complicating uh, of a very simple and elegant thing to begin with. Do you know what we? Because we we do rag on those movies a fair bit. I have to say, I watched uh, since we recorded our last episode. I watched Aquaman for the first time. I had a bloody good time watching that movie. It was stupid as all heck, <laughs> but I had a lot of fun with it. So I'm going to give that props. It was a lot of fun. Good for you, PJ, injecting a bit of um, positivity into the world. Yeah, it felt like, to me, do you remember like the sort of fantasy movies you'd get in the 80s, like uh, like like Willow and um, Dragon Slayer, that kind of thing, which was sort of this, this quest movie? It felt like that, but with some more modern sci-fi elements and CGI added on to it so it, it mm. kind of felt like a throwback to me in a in a good way in a really fun way so i had a had a really good time watching aquaman cool no fantastic that's i i it's, it's, it, i mean this it's very nice to be able to say positive things we, do, we yeah. don't mean to we don't mean to we don't, I don't know. 
I, I like to think we're not too negative about life in general. We try not to be. <laughs> we try. Um, although I I have to say Marvel's uh, it's not even a reboot. What is it? It's a it's a uh, a repositioning of the Heroes Reborn brand, uh, gone but not forgotten, from nineteen ninety six. Uh, that's a tough sell for me. Yeah, me too. Um, who is that for? I have to wonder. Because uh, <laughs> it is has no relation whatsoever to the original, and yet we're calling it Heroes Reborn for brand recognition. I have no idea. It's for for people who are jonesing for the old Rob Liefeld Captain America comic and and just want the name back in their lives, which is no one. I'm I'm jonesing for a very um, pipey Iron Man. <laughs> I like an Iron Man who's nothing but kind of um, um, flexible piping. And um, why wires. did his armor need exhaust fumes? Why was <laughs> what was happening there? PJ, I've got to say, I'm, I'm I hate to disappoint you, but like the, that Marvel Heroes Reborn, 1995, six, patent pending. Uh, that was my introduction to comics. And <laughs> for better or for worse, I love that I love that Iron Man costume. Don't get me wrong, I also have a soft spot for it, but I also recognise that it is weird as hell and makes no sense. Yeah, it does kind of look like you could get dressed by like kind of wrapping it around yourself. Mm. You wouldn't you wouldn't need Jarvis to kind of like plug you in. It'd be like just <laughs> taking a great big rope and winding it up your leg. I mean, he looked kind of sinewy while being made of metal. Yeah, but with all the smoke pouring out of the pipes on his back as well, it looked like it was really polluty and probably quite loud. Like a chugga 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 noise all the PJ, time. The, sm- the smoke's got to go somewhere. <laughs> I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, you don't want it filling up the costume. No, that's true. That You know, that would be bad. Um, well, I mean, thank you for listening to the Heroes Reborn cast, uh, where we... <laughs> We're not doing that. <laughs> where we relive all the great moments of uh, Heroes Reborn. Um, uh, PJ, in the world of JLA, what are we talking about this week? What on earth is going on? Well, we are halfway through Mark Wade's first guest stint on the book. We just looked at the two parts, Strange Case of Judy in September, which was a fun little story about probability. And now we're going into a new two-part story. I think we should just dive right in. Yes, indeed. So, um, uh, mystery in space. That's the title. Thank you. I was, I was quite proud of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and welcoming back uh, on art duties, uh, Arnie Jorgensen. Yeah, who I, you know, we'll get into it more, but I think does a really good job on this issue. I agree. In fact, um, I'll save it for a for a couple of panels, but um, there are some very positive things I want to comment on. But uh, yeah, I, I guess we open in the JLA Watchtower, which is, you know, always a fun place to start. Uh, and um, Kyle is giving uh, Orion and Barda a tour of the trophy room, basically. So it, it feels to me like maybe they haven't had a chance to show the these two around the Watchtower yet. So... Like the Julian September stuff maybe happened pretty quickly after the Prometheus event, and now is the first time they've had downtime to actually show Barda and Orion around the Watchtower. And uh, as a nice little bit of continuity, um, we see in a cabinet 
we see the keys uh, key. Uh, we see uh, Green Arrow's arrow. Mm-hmm. We have if the uh, implicate field, whatever it's called, uh, and we have Prometheus's helmet. So I f- it feels like a nice little callback to uh, the uh, Hell on Earth or Heaven yeah. on Earth storyline, where Flash was redecorating the trophy room. We also have an Amazo robot, a White Martian. I'm hoping that's a model, and I don't just have a White Martian in a case. And a, a big weird ragdoll thing. Yeah, I mean that could be anything. And, I, and I'm assuming like the big bubble, just full of like Kirby crackle, is just a, a nice visual treat and not a, not a, not a direct reference to something. And then there's a big robot head as well. I guess I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. And also, bottom left corner, what looks like a fire extinguisher because health and safety. <laughs> yes, indeed, and. Um, uh, yeah, and, and basically, uh, Orion uh, is um, not very impressed. And I, no. I do I do like the general kind of vibe here where it's subtle, but I do get the feeling that like Kyle is, if not giving them a tour, more kind of following them because he's expecting <laughs> them to break something. Supervising. Yeah, he even says, look, I'm risking my teeth talking to you like this, but be careful about what you touch. Some of these things might still be, as Orion picks up the key... The key's key, and a big old bullet fires out of the end of it, as Kyle says, loaded. Can I just say very quickly, uh, a small thing, but I love how uh, Arnie Jorgensen draws Orion. Me too. Because uh, it's, it's an easy trap to fall into, but when you have a lot of muscular superheroes running around, they tend to all just have the same body type. And uh, I actually like that he draws Orion as being like a big, like chunky, wide, muscular guy. Like he's he's almost, yeah, like he's he's like a wrestler in kind yeah. of his his body type. Yeah, I and I think that fits Orion really well. And he doesn't he's not too tall. He's he's just big, and yeah, it's great. And I love how angular his helmet is in Jorgensen's hands as well. <laughs> yes, I um. Yes, I've got to say, like, um, I've often wondered how the little wings or horns on Orion's helmet are, like, meant to work. Sometimes they're a little smoother, uh, but he draws them more like kind of, um, uh, like, fins here, and I quite like it. Me too. It's a really good Orion. And speaking of really good things, uh, as Orion, like, accidentally fires the key's key gun uh we get a lovely sequence of panels where uh we follow the bullet i guess in slow motion yeah uh, as it flies through the air so you get the first panel is just a close-up of the bullet with some speed lines and then it's a really big bullet as well this is going to cause some damage the next panel it's flying past a doorway that flashes were walking out of and there's just a a blue blur just appearing <laughs> above it Next panel, the blue and red blur fl- flies past as Flash says, what the? Oh, it's you. Please be my guest. <laughs> and uh, then, basically, the bullet strikes Superman's chest. And it's good old Big Blue with the red cape and the red pants and boots back to his normal self, just stopping a bullet in that classic Superman style. I think he's 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 showing off a little bit as well because he, he could have caught, caught it in his hand, but no, he took it in his big glorious chest just 
you know, he's like, he's he's just like, hey, hey, look at me, you know, a little bit of a flex. I can take it. And then he just says, uh, hi, remember me? And that's, you know, this version of Superman hasn't been in the Justice League since 1992, John. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Because he has short hair, you mean? Yes, exactly ah. that. <laughs> I'm just saying, Peter, you know, we've had a lot of talk about parallel universes and alternate <laughs> versions and, you know, let's not confuse matters here. He had a haircut. He didn't, you know. Look, Superman had short hair and died in 1992. And when he came back from the dead, he had long hair and then he had long hair and then he went electric. So this is, you know, short haired, classic Superman. And this is because uh, in between issues, in the pages of his own book, um, Superman has just had an encounter with uh, beings called the Millennium Giants. Yeah. Which I think may have been some kind of, not like an event book, but maybe like an oversized or like anniversary book or something like that. I think it ran through the Superman titles, but then they had this one-shot Superman Forever that finished the story and, and had Superman revert to his uh, regular appearance. Yes. To save the planet, uh, he uh, expended all his excess electromagnetic energy because uh, he's a nice guy. Um, and yeah, I guess kind of our loss, PJ, is the world's gain because I love Electric Blue, but... I think as Morrison themselves pointed out, you've kind of you've got to have the, the classic S on the team mm -hmm. in some yep. form or another. So Superman's back and a steel comments, oh yeah, it was front page news on the Daily Planet. Why does Clark Kent keep getting your stories? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and everyone is uh, seemingly just overjoyed to have Superman back in his Maybe, I don't know, maybe um, Electric Blue Superman just weirded everyone out and they were really polite about it. I mean, you've got to, it's been a year in real real life since Electric Blue Superman appeared, but I guess for, for DC it's probably only been one or two months in the uh, universe. Ah, uh, yeah, and it, it was actually wild to me. You did kind of blow my mind when you, you pointed out just how short span of time Electric Blue Superman was actually in publication mm. for. It's wild. It really is. But he's gone now. Forever. Uh, yeah, um, just, you know, too good for this Earth. And um, yeah, the team's basically just, you know, I guess happy to have him back and just having a big, you know, chin wag, uh, chilling out. And, um, and, and Superman just asks Barda and Orion, like, you know, how, how are you keeping? How are you how are you finding the place? I guess it's maybe a little alien to you. And uh, Bard is like, yeah, well, you know, it's it's no new Genesis, but it's neither apocalypse, so I guess we're okay. <laughs> Orion does say that they're uh, reluctant, but they're going to fight beside the Justice League, and and all is fine. And then there's a bright flash of light. I do feel like um, Wade is maybe. Um, doing something here which uh, Morrison probably wouldn't, which is uh, just for benefit of the audience, in a way, kind of explaining, like, who the hell these people are. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do get the impression, you know, Morrison just brings them in and then they're there and you just deal with it. You're on your own. <laughs> deal with it. Um, but yeah, as you say, like, a big flash of light and uh, suddenly... Eight members of the league find themselves uh, 
in a different place and they're all wearing shackles which is unusual yeah superman says that we're we're off world that light was a teleport beam and flash is about to try and free them when he gets electrocuted by a metal tentacle and then we get a big old splash page where the league are surrounded by these weird creepy alien robot things with skulls and brains and tentacles and then the giant floating holographic head of Adam Strange announces that they are his prisoners. Uh, yeah. And um, we get our nice little, um, which is always a, a detail I like, was when we get the weird little thumbnail shots of our characters' heads and a little kind of roll call. Um, however, of course, uh, in the roll call, they are all looking horrified and uh, and wearing shackles, which is, which is not fun. I do love a roll call. So... Uh, here we go. It's Superman, Wonder Woman, John Jones, Green Lantern, Flash, Steel, Orion, and Barda. And then we get the credits. So Mark Wade, guest writer, Arnie Jorgensen, guest penciler, David Mikis, guest inker, Ken Lopez, letterer, Pat Garrahy, colorist, Heroic Age Separations, L.A. Williams, assistant editor, and Dan Raspler, editor. You know, you know, we 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 asked briefly the other day, like, oh, what happened to Arnie Jorgensen? You yeah. know, haven't seen um, haven't seen his work uh, in a while, or maybe I've just missed it. Um, I did a little Google the other day, and apparently uh, he uh, did the artwork for a oh, good grief! A cat is attacking me. Cat, cat, please! I'm trying to do. A, I'm trying to talk about the JLA cat. This is very important. Okay, uh, sorry, PJ. Where are we? Uh, you were telling me what Arnie Jorgensen was drawing. Uh, yeah, so I, I looked up um, Arnie Jorgensen, and uh, it turns out he did the artwork for a pretty popular video game which you may have heard of, called The Banner Saga. Oh, yes, I've I yeah. even played The Banner Saga. That's wild, isn't it? Yeah, I, I googled uh, I googled him, and all you get are like uh, pictures of um, The Banner Saga and his kind of smiling face. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's cool, because I really enjoyed his work on uh, on JLA, and I'm glad that he's getting success in whatever he's doing right now. Do you know what? I do really like the art in the Banner Saga as well, so uh, that's it's good to know why. <laughs> there you go. I mean, clearly you just had excellent taste in art, PJ. I do. That's true. Uh, and yeah, so from this, you know, just what the hell is going on kind of moment, uh, Steel, which is a nice touch, clearly has no idea who Adam Strange is. Yeah, which, you know, I wouldn't really blame him. Adam Strange, even at this point, was a relatively minor character i would say in dc but one of their 50s sci-fi heroes who uh, sort of came along in the wake of buck rogers and dan dare and flash gordon that type of character yeah i i do wonder if um mark wade in particular has um you know clearly you know likes kind of adam strange because um he played quite a significant role in 52 the series mm. and yeah because of the I, uh the ranthanagar war yeah, and I kind of I kind of feel like it appeals to Wade's uh, kind of um, like nostalgia, like he's kind of like he's got that kind of anxiety. Morrison's got it as well, but you know you can see I feel like the way Morrison approaches like uh, continuity and and nostalgia and the way Wade does, and I, I think clearly he's got a soft spot for Ran and these characters. I think a lot of writers had. Uh some fondness for Adam Strange because I say he's a minor character but he'd pop up in guest roles a lot in the 90s could he is he one of those characters who could never 
quite support a series on his own. I think so, yeah. Certainly not for a long, long, long time. But writers did really like him, so he would keep on just guest starring. I, I have read a number of Superman books from the era he was in. And yeah, he just kept popping up. Maybe he's a little bit of a tough sell just to like the general superhero-y kind of audience because he is almost from a different genre. Like He's he's a pulp sci-fi hero. He flies around with a jetpack and a laser pistol and and battles alien. He's he's a John Carter of Mars. He's that that era and and genre of character. So yeah, I I don't think it's something that really can sustain a book with modern superhero audiences. But again, I mean like clearly, you know, meant enough to wade to you know, want to kind of like bring him in for this this two-parter. Um Yeah. Although um something I was going to say like should we should we briefly explain the Adam Strange kind of dealio about what he's up to and everything uh, or you know I I think the I think the story itself does kind of cover some yeah. of the um some of his backstory It does and even Superman Steel says who is he and Superman's like I oh, will deal with that later <laughs> What's going on here Adam you've always been an ally release us and Adam Strange just says nope you're my slaves, and I've got these Entaran slave masters here with me. You're going to obey my every command. So, PJ, I mean, uh, you know, clearly there's only one person on the planet whose knowledge of the DC universe uh, surpasses yours. Uh, the Entarans, are they new? I or... believe so, but don't hold me to that. Maybe they are new, because I, I wager some of the more spacefaring members of the League would probably have recognised them. Uh, certainly, I I haven't read any other comics before or after this that included them. Um, and yeah, and for some reason, Adam Strange, you know, friend of the league, uh, is apparently in league with these beings, and uh, he says that the league have a like a task to perform, and uh, Orion, who is always uh, you know very measured and calm in his response to things, um, basically tries to like rip his shackles off and just kind of charge it uh, at them, only for everybody to get electrocuted. But there's a lovely touch uh, in this panel where the League all fall around being electrocuted and going, oh no, no, I'm in pain, and Superman just stands there. Yeah, Just, just Superman, no reaction. <laughs> Superman takes it. Um, and uh, although uh, he is then whipped with a, a, a sigh lash, apparently, which does actually hurt him. So yeah, he's still tough, but he he, he takes two hits to kind of yeah. Uh, so the, the collar won't affect him, but the the silash will. And and Adam Strange just says, you know, don't tamper with your bonds. They're sensitive to your powers. All of you will pay the penalty, even if one tries to free himself. And that's how I'm keeping Superman in line. And which is which is a fine hook. And I would just say this is me being the most nitpicky of people you could possibly imagine. Um, I have the same issue with uh, power nullification or control collars in the Marvel Universe. Like, how would you possibly engineer a collar that would control Kyle? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just nit I'm nitp I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm being the most pedantic asshole in the world <laughs> it's just it's just a bugbear of mine although i'm it's not gonna let me it's not gonna get in the way of the story but let's move on from john's bugbear <laughs> and 
Adam does say, you know, the Antarans are going to block your telepathy, Jean, with their own, but I'm going to ask them to let you peek inside my mind just so you know that I am serious about this. And so Jean does and says, oh my God, you're insane. Yeah, and uh, to prove that he most definitely isn't insane, uh, Adam Strange goes, on the contrary, I've never seen things more clearly. Um, Which if I ever go full evil, criminal, insane genius, I want to, that's how I want to talk. Like, I, you know, no, you fool. It's (laughs) it's all making sense at last. (laughs) Yeah, Adam then says that Green Lantern was the last one of them to visit Ran, and at the time it was largely a devastated wasteland. And then we get a little asterisk and it says Green Lantern 74 to 75. And I thought to myself, self, I thought, I'm sure I've read those issues. So I went to my my, uh, graphic novel shelves and I pulled off the trade paperback Green Lantern, Baptism of Fire which does include issues 74 and 75 of Green Lantern. Uh, so that's Kyle's first trade paperback? No. <laughs> right. So uh, it does... Basically, the, the the trade collects a few stories. It starts with issue 59, then jumps to like issues, which is Kyle with the Titans and sort of doubting himself with them because he was a member, but then taking down Dr. Polaris on his own. Then it jumps to issues, I want to say, like 67 and 68, which is the very first team-up of Kyle and Flash, Mm -hmm. uh, which goes about as well as you'd expect. And then it prints issues 70 to 75, which is Kyle basically not thinking he can cut it as a hero, so going to get advice from other heroes. So he tries to team up with Batman and Robin, and Batman basically tells him to just go away. So he teams up with Alan Scott instead. Then he goes and meets Captain Marvel, uh, Shazam, and then Wonder Woman, and then the Dark Stars recruit him to go into space and help them out in a battle against Graven, the illegitimate son of Darkseid, which the battle ends on Ran. So that's the uh, story Adam Strange is currently wow. referring to. So that is is that, and that is how um, Ran becomes devastated. No, of- Ran's pretty devastated already. There's been a war between Ranagar, which is the city Adam Strange lives in, and another war on the planet. And during that story, Ranagar is floating in a bubble above the surface of the planet, but Graven and his army force it back to the ground, and the battle between Graven, the Dark Stars, and Green Lantern decimates the city as well. Right. Okay. So, and, and was Adam Strange present at that yes. point? He was, yep. cool. Adam Strange battles alongside uh, Green Lantern and the Dark Stars. Uh, but he was seemingly sane at the time. Yeah. Okay, so, so you know, listener, uh, you know, give a silent prayer of thanks to PJ for doing his research, uh, because we now know that it is from that destruction that a now insane Adam Strange has devoted himself and elected himself to restore Ran to its former glory, basically. Uh, And he presses a button on a little device and the ceiling starts opening uh, to reveal that we are atop a massive tower overlooking, uh, I guess, the city of Ranagar, basically. Yeah, Uh, that would be my guess too. And and basically, he's enslaved the uh, entire surviving population of Ran, to rebuild the city because at this point his his wife who he uh, he explains his origin here he was brought 
2 ran originally by a Zeta Beam, which hit him accidentally, but then he found he liked it there, and he just kept on using the Zeta Beam to go back. It's a yeah. thing. And uh, his... Because uh, Adam Strange is a human, but uh, his wife, uh, Lana, uh, is, is, is a Ranian of, of Ran, and, and she has died apparently no no she's been kidnapped sorry no she's dead she was no, she's princess dead. of ran and she died complications during childbirth when she gave birth to her and adam strange's uh, daughter so superman says were you rebuilding it as a more superman asks if he's rebuilding it as a memorial to her and he says no i thought she was dead but i was wrong and she's coming home and adam looks utterly deranged yeah he's kind of uh, it's a whole lot of saliva uh, kind of tears streaming out of his eyes as we kind of pan across this, you know, beautiful and horrifying uh, kind of vista of work, you know, construction work to rebuild the city uh, while lines upon lines of enslaved Ranians are whipped by the Antarans under the light of three suns. Yep, because that's what Ran has. It's a trinary system. Oh, very nice. Um, yeah, and, you know, with his, you know, insane monologue kind of done, uh, the Leaguers are his latest slaves, and, yeah, they are put to work. Yeah, and Kyle asks Jean if Adam's been brainwashed, and if the Entirans are controlling him mentally, and Jean points out, well, if, if they could do that, we wouldn't need these shackles. You know, this is exactly what it appears to be. Yeah, and it kind of transitions into a a, a, a montage of, of sorts where um, the league get to work, like manual labour, like lifting boulders, apparently. Yeah, it's a very important part of rebuilding a city is lifting a boulder. And J- John is like, well, okay, look, we'll, we'll work it out, we'll come up with a plan, but right now we should humour him uh, you know, and also we should, uh, using our immense powers, we should take the burden of this work away from the poor civilian population who are being dominated. Uh, and yeah, we play along until we can find an avenue of escape, basically for as long as we can bear. And on that kind of loaded word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wonder Woman gives a look at Orion and Orion, he doesn't look happy. Uh, he looks wild, basically. He looks pained. Uh, Wide-eyed, a- gritted teeth. Because as a bit of context uh, for anyone who's not familiar, Orion is the new god of war, and um, he is the son of Darkseid. Yeah. And has a kind of universe-consuming rage uh, to destroy, which is only kept in check by his personal mother box, uh, which kind of soothes him, basically. So he's got a bit of an anger problem. Yeah, and he is not going to take too kindly to being enslaved or playing along with anyone's plans. Immediate we, action, that's Orion's thing. As we've seen so far, uh, you know, a very calm, thoughtful dude. Um, I'm sure this will go well. Uh, and uh, as, as the League kind of get to work, uh, you know, doing all this manual labour... Um, uh, Adam Strange is hanging out with his daughter. Yeah, uh, Alia, 
And he's saying to her, they think daddy's crazy. Yes, they do. And, you know, he's not really dissuading us of that at the moment. But uh, he tells her that mummy's coming home and, and that that's exciting. While one of the Antarans then reports that the one called Superman has already reseeded the Zib forest. He requires observation. Um, And... Uh, you know, uh, there, there, a radio kind of message comes in. Although I'm sure the Ranians use something more sci-fi and fantastic than radio. No, it's uh, 1950s sci-fi. It would be radio. It's probably radio. Yeah, a a, <laughs> a VHS tape arrives with a message from someone. Uh, they're asking for a progress update, although we don't see who it is. And uh, Adam Strange just says that everything is proceeding as planned, which I don't think there's a scenario where that doesn't sound evil. <laughs> no, I said, it's, it's, PJ. How was how was your day? Everything is proceeding as planned. Oh God, what's he? You done? can't say it without trying to do an Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars impression, can you? It's just, yeah, it's like, yeah. So again, if a reader was in any doubt, bag stuff is going on, and apparently, uh, Ran is being prepared for somebody's arrival. Hmm. So then we, we cut to presumably sometime later and the League are still working as uh, Kyle and Jean are putting like a, a lens in the hand of a statue and Adam is being very insistent at the angle. He's saying three more degrees to the left, two more, perfect. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Kyle, you know, he's he's probably very useful using his ring. Jean's using his Martian vision to do some welding, although... Actually, PJ, I thought Martian vision was force-based, not heat-based. Shh. Maybe he's forcing it really hard to weld. You're right. Maybe he is. Um, and, uh, yeah, Wally comments on the uh, kind of pinging noise, uh, which is apparently loud enough to notice, which is coming from Orion. Um, because his, uh, his mother box is working overtime to keep him in check, basically. Yeah, Bard has explained to him that they have to be patient, but as Superman says, she and Orion are gods and enslavement isn't sitting well with either of them. And you just get Orion carrying a very heavy object as he, he walks along, but he is foaming at the mouth as his mother box just goes ping, 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 ping. And I think it's a lovely comic beat in the middle of this very serious issue. <laughs> and, um, yeah, Steel and Hippolyta are trying to... Uh, lower like a massive domed roof into place and uh, they basically uh, you know I've been there we've all been there um, like when you're moving house uh, and basically they lose their grip and they drop it and uh, I guess a fun a fun touch but Hippolyta is using uh, a jet belt in order to fly yeah presumably I can't remember which item it is that grants her flight in normal situations but maybe she wasn't wearing it in the watchtower or the magic needs recharging or something but i think it, it also shows that she's not as strong or powerful as diana because i don't think diana would have dropped this thing i think diana would have probably not needed steel to hand it to her to be honest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so i mean thankfully no one got crushed we can we can hope um but yeah adam strange is uh he's pissed not happy yeah he he shouts about how important it is that everything is precise and orders the entire to teach one woman a lesson so they they sigh whip her 
And then Orion and Steel both start shouting. Orion says, you won't break us. Barda holds him back. But Steel does leap forward, shouting that it was an accident and telling him to leave her alone. And he gets electrocuted then for his own good too. Yeah. Um, and uh, Adam Strange still foaming at the mouth, which is, you know. Classic sign of sanity. Classic sign of sanity. I think he's been pretty reasonable, to be honest, throughout his entire thing. <laughs> uh, basically says, you know, let that be a lesson for you. Uh, you know, you can't make a single error. Uh, drag everyone back to their cell, basically. Yeah, where where they're in the cell then later on, Barda does say, I wish my husband were here. He'd have freed us by now, and he would have. <laughs> because Mr. Miracle is the universe's greatest escape artist. Which is so cool. <laughs> which is it's just i'm sorry we all have opinions but that's objectively cool yeah it's also i don't think it's it's a superhero um ability set that's ever really been tried no one's tried to mimic that you don't see any other real like escape artist superheroes no it's kind of amazing actually it's it's I, which i think is it's so hard to come up with original superhero powers i mean maybe the um the escapist was one from but that was from michael chabon's novel the amazing adventures of cavalier and clay but that's the only other thing i can think of yeah it's a cool power set though it's like Mm. um it's like where your job is your power not necessarily your power (laughs) like uh i could be like a, a super um digital marketer sort of thing you know like i can promote things like no one else that would be my power My power would be... Uh, no, I don't have a power. <laughs> podcasts, BJ. Yes, yes. You, you can podcast like no other. Oh, boy. The League are going to call me for that one. For, for, for the in-universe JLA cast, which is like the kind of weekly catch-up from <laughs> The Watchtower. Where each week I get to interview a different member. That would be cool. I want that job. Uh, starting with um, uh, Clue Clue Master or whatever his name was, was it Clue Master? Yeah, yeah. Spoilers, Dad. <laughs> it's just it's when I get to the the day I get to interview Superman. So why aren't you electric anymore? Can you just do it again? Go on, do it again. Do it again for us. <laughs> um, and yeah, basically, like uh, Steel is very clearly, you know, not. Uh, not on board with this, not having a good time. Uh, and basically says, like, you know, who the hell is this guy? Uh, which gives Jean time to conveniently uh, just give the reader a, a recap about Adam Strange, basically. Yeah, potted origin of Adam Strange, which does include one utterly glorious drawing from Arnie Jorgensen of, it's a very 1950s style sci-fi drawing of Adam Strange flying through the air with his jetpack shooting his laser gun at a big space lizard dragon thing and it i love that panel so much the the idea being it is a bit of a john carter kind of vibe but the idea being that like adam strange is a completely normal human from earth uh, an archaeologist who's accidentally transported to the futuristic world of ran where society is so weak and feeble (laughs) That, like, a completely average guy from Earth is, like, the most physically commanding and incredible guy on Ran, basically. So everyone thinks he's, like, this incredible warrior just because he's, like, oh, I don't know, he he, he jogs. (laughs) So they give him a jetpack and a gun. 
Where's you? Where's our jetpack and guns? PJ? We haven't been transported trillions of light years to another world. But if we were, you know, then jetpack, gun, and it's hero time. But I mean, like you, you know, you run. I do yoga. <laughs> we should be like pretty physically commanding specimens on Ran. Where's uh, my medal? Yeah. I don't feel very physically commanding in in any world at the moment, but there it is. No, everything hurts. I'm sitting here and my hips hurt. Um, But yeah, basically, John goes like, uh, yeah, basically, you know, that's the story of Adam. And that's the story of Adam Strange and puts away his kind of like mental PowerPoint presentation. Um, But Kyle points out, so, but if we got teleported here by the Zeta Ray technology... Uh, that's a temporary process, so won't we go home soon? Yeah, because that's what the, the Zeta Beam used to zap Adam Strange home again, and then he'd have to find another one to get back to Ran. It was a while before they found a way to make him able to stay there permanently. So, as Kyle points out, the League are just there until the Zeta Beam wears off. Yeah, and as Hippolyta points out, that's not necessarily a good thing, because if they get beamed away, then um, the people of Ran will be left at the mercy of, of Adam Strange and the Antarangs. And Flash asks if they can get the help of Sardath, who is uh, um, Alana's father, the ruler of Ran, who helped make Adam a citizen. And Superman says, I've been eavesdropping with my super senses, and he went missing shortly after Alana died. So probably not. Uh, yeah, and uh, the pinging noise has been continuing throughout this scene and apparently it's getting very annoying because Steel comments on it uh, only for Orion to go absolutely buck wild and to well he's foaming at the mouth uh, looks like he just wants to tear everyone's heads off basically like he looks absolutely furious yeah a Barda tries to hold him back and then the Antarans surround them and Jean tries to calm Orion. Orion doesn't handle that one very well either. And he starts basically shouting about how he's going to defy everyone. Even Superman tries to confront him. Uh, but it's eventually down to Hippolytus to just punch Orion to the ground. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, smacks him right in the face. A bit of a, a Batman Guy Gardner kind of yeah. uh, kind of moment. And then basically just puts a foot on his chest and basically says, hey, hey, no. <laughs> no. I mean, Orion is the dog of war, so <laughs> it's the equivalent of hitting him with a rolled up newspaper and saying, bad Orion, get down. And basically says, look, you know, you're the god of war. That doesn't necessarily mean just like charging blindly at the enemy. It means tactics as well and thinking. So rein it in, you Burke. <laughs> but <laughs> it works. It works. It works. And, uh, yeah, you can tell that he, you know, he just kind of grins like he's gained a bit of respect, I suppose. Yeah, he he then stands up and and offers his hand to Hippolyta and says, spoken like a warrior born. Very well, I will stay my hand for now. And then things get weird as everything starts to slow down. Yeah, and... It's a nice little effect, but uh, as the normal world kind of grinds to a crawl, uh, we see um, Wally talking to Wonder Woman, uh, and he's like, "Hey, I'm uh, hey, I'm here. I'm uh, I'm sharing some speed." 
Yeah. So he says, look, I'm sharing it with you. It's our only chance. So he's Jean and Superman, who are also naturally very, very fast, but presumably also getting a little bit of speed force here. Flash bases, look, we let's go. We've got one second to come up with a plan. And Superman says, let's rush him. We're, we're fast enough now. Adam's alone in his tower. We'll just go get him. Yeah. And they're doing it so quickly that they'll just kill him. And no one has to know. <laughs> I don't think they're going to kill him, John. No, I think that's for JLA way. I think I okay. think Superman. I think Superman's just going to like squeeze his head between his hands. Have you just been? Make it, have you been watching Zack Snyder's Superman films again? Oh yeah, no, I'm thinking of a different character, a completely <laughs> different character. Um, but yeah, Wonder Woman is going to. Uh, they're going to grab him, and the four the four fastest people are going to grab him, wrap him in a lasso of truth. Of truth, sorry, choking on my words, and compel him to tell them how to free themselves, basically. And I, I love the panel there at the bottom of the page of the four of them just rushing through Ran as with red blurs behind them. I think it's just glorious. It's a really, you know, I think it can be hard to draw super speed sometimes, but I think in this in this case, Arnie Jorgensen does it really, really well. And uh, uh, yeah, they 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 burst through a wall wrap Adam Strange in the lasso of truth and uh, Wally's basically like you, you know your your Entaran buddies can't get in get here in time to stop us from basically roughing you up uh, and Strange doesn't seem that perturbed he, he's like oh really and then suddenly uh, a, a, a crackle of um, whips and electricity uh, kind of fells Wonder Woman Wally and Superman. Because it turns out they've been betrayed by John Jones. <gasps> who says, Gasp. apparently, I alone believe in your cause, Adam. Consider me fully in your service. Gasp. And uh, Strange basically tell, tells them to... Um, you know, take them back to their cells and, you know, we'll make an example of them tomorrow. Uh, and then a voice comes out over radio that apparently, apparently, somebody, whoever he was talking to earlier, is approaching and wants an update, basically. Ooh. And uh, Adam looks at the screen and says, by the time you arrive, everything will be precisely in place. And then we see what he's seeing, and it's Alana, alive and in the clutches of some Entarans. Gasp! And she—I mean, she doesn't look happy about it. Um, and uh, yeah, Adam Adam Strange is just continues to foam at the mouth like the raging lunatic he is. The end to be concluded. To be concluded. Ooh. Uh, yeah, and there we go, and and that's the end of the the issue. Kind of short, it felt short and sweet, really. It does, yeah. It it feels like, and I'm not knocking it, but it feels like quite a simple story at this point. It's not, this doesn't, like the last story with Julian September, his probability engine and all the synchronicity stuff, that felt like Wade doing Morrison in a mm. way. This doesn't. This doesn't feel like something Morrison would have done with the book. This just feels like Mark Wade doing Mark Wade. And, and I really like it for that. Yeah, it's it, it, just in hindsight, like it, it's kind of weird that this story even exists. Like, uh, it, just in this run, because as you say, like you know, the Julian September stuff is very much like 
this ain't your daddy's JLA. This is what a JLA story is like nowadays. It's weird threats from beyond comprehension or a living colour or probability is out of whack, you know. It's, it's Wade doing Morrison. And then, yeah, this is just a straightforward story, probably not unlike what you would have read in the pages of JLA back in the Silver Age, you yeah, know, when Strange definitely. was at his peak. Definitely. What I, what I also really like as well, though, is... Mark Wade, at this point, obviously is is on the Flash, and and probably knows Wally West better than anyone else. But what I like is he doesn't overuse Wally in these books. Yeah, Wally's there, Wally's a part of it, and has that key moment towards the end with giving the other characters his speed. But Wade knows this isn't Wally's book as much affinity as he might feel with the character, so he doesn't. You you do get writers sometimes who come onto a team book from a solo book and they just bring their character on with them, and it becomes that character's book again. Mm-hmm. You know, and and but Wade knows better than that, and I appreciate that. It's just a small detail I wanted to mention. Yeah, I, and um, you know, it's 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 weird in a way. Like, um, I don't want to. Um, uh, he said, choking choking on his own words. I don't want to um, repeat myself too much from the same from from the last couple of issues. Um, but I think a couple a couple of the issues I have. Uh, with Wade's stories here kind of uh, continue, I have to say. Uh, so just little things like, you know, um, I've gotten so used to the Morrison voices of these characters that I think they do talk very differently when Wade is, is on it. And But but at the same time, it's, it's a fun issue. It, mm. it, it is, it is. And um, it's, it's weird, actually, because I feel the way that Wade writes for characters the way they speak particularly in this issue it's funny you mentioned like the kind of like the john carter and the adam strange origins and stuff because it almost feels like wade is writing it like it's a cheesy sci-fi story yes i agree i think it very much feels like a throwback and i'm, I'm guessing that was wade's intention with this story you know he's he's done something different with the league in his previous one and now he's it feels like he he did one for Morrison and one for himself yeah yeah it's funny because i i i think as we we've said uh, previously i think wade is is an astonishingly accomplished and talented writer who knows knows the character in the universe kind of you know inside and out i mean um so so it's you know it's always a little odd to me when you you have superman saying something like uh, Adam, what's going on here? Have you lost your mind? You've always been an ally. Release us immediately. That to me doesn't really feel like a superman-y kind of way of saying that, particularly when you're used to Morrison writing the character. But I would never say that that's because Wade doesn't have a grasp of dialogue, because Wade does. I mean, mm. you know, I I have a lot of Wade's series, which I think are, are kind of sublime. Um, I, have, I have to say... I'm glad that this is one of the issues that came up when Wade was doing his fill-ins because I feel like Wade makes more of than Morrison would have the return of classic Superman and mm. I think that is a beautiful moment in the book and I'm I'm glad Wade made something out of it. It's like Superman's back, let's have this cool moment into the story. Whereas I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like if, if Morrison had been writing this issue... Superman just would have been back. There would have been a line, and that would have been it. 
It's, it is interesting, isn't it? Because I, I think um, one thing I always admired about Morrison, which maybe in certain circumstances could be could be a negative, is that they would always find an unusual way of doing something. Mm. So like whatever whatever scenario you were dealing with, Morrison would find the third way of doing it. It wouldn't be the obvious one. It wouldn't be the opposite. It would be something weird and left field. And this is not that. This is a very straightforward story. Um, There's a few twists and there's going to be some more. But like, yeah, it's it's pretty much like an A to B kind of story, which Morrison very rarely does. Hmm. It's like when you look at how the introduction to Electric Superman was done in a terrible Mark Wade backup in Secret Files and Origins 1. It was never dealt with in the main book. He just was suddenly there as Electric Superman. Was that Miller? Yeah. Yes, sorry, the, the other Mark, the um, the dark Mark. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. And yeah, the more I you kind of read it, and particularly with this revisit with yourself, PJ, I do feel it's almost like it is being written like a kind of 1950s sci-fi. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of helped me appreciate it more, I think, because I think sometimes the dialogue is a little unusual. Because, I mean, case in point, like when when Wade would do his own run on JLA, you know, a couple of years later, um, the characters talk very differently in that as well, I think a, a little more naturally, shall we say, in those pages. Yeah, well, he'd also, you know, he'd, he'd streamline the team back down a bit, wouldn't he? He'd, you know, steal Orion and Barder and Huntress and and Zauriel, most of these characters. The only one who would stay from Morrison's expansion would be Plastic Man. Wade wouldn't keep any of the other characters on the book. He could have. There were ways to do that, obviously, but they just suddenly weren't there. Uh but I do like that he does, you know, he, he he pared it down for his last storyline. He pairs it down again this time, but with a slightly different flavour. So there is no Batman in this one, no Plastic Man in this one, no Zauriel. He hasn't done Zauriel at all, actually. He wasn't in the last one either. But <laughs> mm. but you do get his takes on Orion and Barda, which I really enjoy. I love Orion struggling to control his rage throughout the whole story. And I think Arnie Jorgensen's drawings of orion are some of the highlights of the issue for me that is fun i've got to say like it, it's it, and there's a wonderful shot when uh which i didn't mention at the time but when um orion is uh you know almost poking out for lack of a better word um there's a bit where he's face to face with superman yes like they're, both, they're both in profile and it's so easy to draw superhero man where like every male superhero is well i guess you could say they're every female superhero as well they're just the same body the same face with a different costume and a different hairstyle mm-hmm. and then you have here superman and orion two big strong guys facing off and they have completely different facial facial features like completely yeah. different like the shape of their chins is completely different and that sounds like a small thing but Chins are big in superhero comics. You don't get yep. very like. Uh, brings to mind uh, George uh, Perez in uh, the pages of um, Avengers. Very good at making a lot of blonde guys look different. Yeah, Perez would, you know, he would draw different faces for the characters. Like take Hawkeye and Captain America, two 
in theory, similarly built blonde men, but Perez would draw them with different faces. You'd know which one was which without the costumes on. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and then you've got like Hank Pym as well. Yeah. Or, you know, Thor at a push. Like they all had completely different face facial shapes, which is such a it seems so obvious when you say it out loud, but you know, it's gotta be hard, you know, to 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 diversify that much. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think it's something Jorgensen does very well. And I think after this two parter, I don't think we'll see him again in JLA, will we? That's that's it for him. That is that is the end, actually, sadly. Um but again, as as we mentioned, you know, did great work with Prometheus. Yes. Fantastic work with Prometheus, I would say, actually, which is probably uh probably the highlight of his work on the series, I would say. Yeah, I'd agree. I would agree with that. Really, really good. But no, that that is the end of it, really. There's only a few a few other uh, guest appearances from artists uh, before we reach the end. Yeah, what I what I do like about this as well is is and it's something I only thought about today actually with the title of the trade here, strength in numbers. Yeah, it says the league is getting bigger, but every story also has a guest star. You've got Catwoman in the Prometheus story. Oh, you God, had the yeah. Atom in the last one. You've got Adam Strange in this one, and then a guest star. I'm not gonna mention in the next story because it is so out there and brilliant but yeah there is a pretty wild you know guest appearance coming up and you're right pj i hadn't actually thought of that in fact i think maybe the the guest appearances do get a little odder as it goes on because catwoman okay fair enough the atom former league are fine oh adam strange that's an interesting one and then the next one which we'll get to the episode after next is is crazy and uh, uh, i don't think anyone would have seen coming if they were just collecting jla back in the 90s i i know and uh, i'm very excited to get to it um, me too because this that was also my very first encounter with that character uh, in their world interesting i do i do find it interesting because i think there's a throwaway line uh that superman says during the prometheus storyline about um having like a, a vacant seat at the JLA table. Yeah, yeah. So they could bring in specialists, uh, you know, meta-humans for different cases. And um, I wonder if this is this is like a meta example of that, where like it's not like every episode they go, oh, quick, get the phone directory out so we can call in a superhero. But yeah, I, I'd never even tweaked to that fact that, yeah, there's a guest superhero in every storyline. Yeah. It could almost have been a format. <laughs> There are quite a few guests as we go forward, but there are pl- plenty of stories as well that don't have any other extra characters. So, well, yeah, I mean, um, I've got, I, you know, I just kind of like, you know, general thoughts about it. Um, you know, ultimately, the, these this particular run, uh, you know, the little Mark, the Mark Wade uh, kind of interlude, uh, not my favourite points in the series, um, and I know Mark Wade pops up a little later in the run and i have to say i i think i actually i i do prefer those issues more um but no it's, but that said it is a fun issue i think sometimes the dialogue is a little is a little uh different to what you'd be used to if you're following the series but yeah i think um it, it i think there is something to the idea that this is being written as a as a sci-fi story, because yeah. you know, Mark Wade gets dialogue. He does know what he's doing. So. It's a stylistic choice rather than Mark Wade phoning it in. You know? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. But again, you were you were very much like a Julian September kind of guy. 
I, I really like Julian September. I also really like this two-parter, but that's because I have a real affinity for those old-school 50s sci-fi. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm a big Dan Dare fan, and while I've never read any classic original Adam Strange uh, stories, I, I do love it when he shows up. Yes. No, it's fun. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a nice little trip down DC memory lane. It's mm. clearly a labour of love. For Wade, I do. I do like what you said about it being like this is what this is a Wade story for Wade. Yeah, like he's he's treating himself here, and and yeah, like I said, it's not it's not the it's not the pure Morrison that I, I come I come to love and expect from his series. But you know what? It's it's a fun A to B kind of story. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we will enjoy B next time. Oh yeah, but sorry, PJ, I monologued there a bit at the end. Did <laughs> hey, you have, go for did it. You have any you monologue final- away? Do you have any final thoughts on, on on it that you'd like to add? or Just that I think I almost appreciate this story more now at the age I am where I, I recognise it as more of a throwback to the, the sci-fi pulp serials that I do kind of love these days. So I actually think I enjoyed that story more this time than I did reading it when I was younger. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I've got to say, like I think actually just revisiting it with yourself here, PJ. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I've... I've enjoyed it more in this kind of um, visit than I, I, have, I have previously. Um, but that said, I am also very excited to get to the next story. Like, uh, oh god, yeah, I think just the, to know what's coming. The next story is my favorite two, definitely my favorite two-part story. Is it my favorite overall story from the whole run? Oh, it's up there. It's definitely big. up there. That's quite. That's quite a claim. I mean, we'll, we'll probably have to do some kind of rundown of our of our highlights. Um, when we get near the end, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess uh, if we have uh, exhausted this avenue of pleasure, he said, kind of silently looking for approval from PJ. Yeah, yeah. I approve. Wonderful. Um, in which case, I guess it falls on me to uh, thank uh, the incredible Gav Mitchell for uh, drawing our incredible cover artwork, which is astounding. And to Elliot Red for composing and performing our wonderful theme tune, Justice. And if you enjoy hearing PJ and I, you know, ramble on, uh, we're, we're, we're generally quite nice people. I like to think we're not completely consumed by, by, by rage and bitterness. Uh, you can find us in, you can, we're not, we're not 100% consumed <laughs> by bitterness. Like uh, you 80%. Can, 80%, yeah. You, you can find us on the social medias and our, our details are in the description. Yes, they are. PJ, I mean, uh, are there any final words or, or, or would you like to work your magic? Oh, uh, I didn't prepare a goodbye. On the contrary, I'm saying bye. Bye.